They have finally done it. The Detroit Tigers announced on Wednesday that they will be changing the dimensions of Comerica Park. We also have a new waiver claim, the newest edition of the 40-man roster, all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, January 13th. Is it Friday the 13th right now? 2023. Thank you for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Okay, they have finally done it. They have finally, finally done it. The Detroit Tigers officially announced, like I said, on Wednesday that Comerica Park's dimensions will be changing. They will bringing they will be bringing in the center field wall. I say finally for like me personally finally in the sense that I'm just glad I'm hoping that this leads to us not having to talk about it all the time anymore. This has been one of the most ridiculous storylines in my eyes for years. I and if you're a longtime listener to the show, you're aware of this. And if you're new, I'll re-explain my stance on it. It's just I have never been passionate about this. This like there are so many things with this organization that I have a burning passion to to like make my point known or or to explain why or why not I believe a certain way about how this team is built, how the front office is doing, the players, etc. The dimensions of the park have never been a pressing issue for me ever. Like, I, I, it, it's one of those things, I guess, how do I even want to start? Let's start with the fact that personnel matters more than dimensions, okay? Like, significantly. And we will get to the actual ramifications of moving in, but I just want to talk about everything around it first. Like, this does not instantly mean that the Detroit Tigers are just going to hit a ton more home runs and that Comerica is just going to be like a a, a hitter's park now or whatever, right? And if you look, Chris Brown of Woodward Tigers has done some great work on this. If you look at the numbers of what offensive production is in Comerica Park, it isn't bad when the Tigers aren't bad, right? And I know that in, in this era, it's more of like an insult to injury thing than anything else, and I totally understand that. But just the, the premise of, oh, if we move in the walls, like everything will be better. Like no, no one can hit home runs on this team last year if we played at a Little League park. Like it, it, it was just, it was brutal. And it wasn't because the fences were, were huge in center field. It's also worth noting that to right and left field, it's actually like not that deep. Like Kaufman is significantly deeper to the corners. It's just, we have the deep center field. So I, I just, I, I don't want to call it like a theory or anything because objectively, like there are balls that are only flyouts in Comerica and that's absolutely a thing. And this will eliminate a lot of those for sure. A hundred percent. That is totally justified and true. It's just, I, I think there's a slight misconception on the exact like impact and how heavy the impact is going to be. It, it's going to be slight. 
This this is not some massive, oh my goodness, the, the Tigers now play in, you know, Yankee Stadium. Or, or the Tigers are just going to – there's going to be a ton of homers now. We're going to be able to hit a ton of homers to dead center field. Like, it's still, even with the moves, the second deepest center field in baseball – and the only center field deeper is Coors, which is a home run factory because of the climate, not because of the dimensions. So it is still probably the most difficult home run to hit or the diff- most difficult place to hit a home run in, in dead center field in all of baseball. That is like still maybe true. Fenway has a little bit of like weird stuff going on and pretty high walls out there. So they may be given a run for its money, but like th- th- this is, it's not like a, an insane swing of the ramifications of it. You're not going to see a massive home run spike. And if you do, and you're going to point at this and be like, ha ha, I told you, it, it, I promise it's not because of the dimensions. Like there's not going to be 120 home runs hit between 412 and 420 feet in dead center next year. You know what I mean? So that all being said, I just complained for a little bit. It's mostly just like pent up. I'm so tired of talking about the dimensions of Comerica Park. And I hope that this conversation right now can lead us into maybe a new era of not having to complain and talk about every time there's a deep flyout or like the Riley Green homer last year. That was brutal, right? A 418 footer and and should have been a go ahead homer and it wasn't. Like, I, I hope that. This eliminates the conversation of like once a month during baseball season, at least I have to come on here and talk about the dimensions of Comerica on this show. I'm so tired of doing that. And I hope that this eliminates that at least. Okay. Now that I'm done complaining, let's talk about the move itself. This is cool and good. (laughs) Like I know I just complained about it, but again, uh, my, my complaints about it are just the, the continual conversation around it. And the fact that that again, I I don't think it it moves the needle as much as as maybe some people think it does. That being said, this is a good move. I like it, and I was of the belief again. If you're a longtime listener, like I have never been on the this they need to move it inside, right? Like I've been pretty indifferent, and I'm again, I'm not indifferent on a lot of things. Like I said early on, but. Like, I, I enjoyed having a pitcher's park, quote-unquote. Like, I enjoyed the fact that we, we were the most difficult place in baseball to hit a home run in dead center field in. Like, that was objectively true, especially after Houston eliminated House Hill, right? So, I thought that, that that was, like, a cool thing. But also, if they wanted to move it in, and I said verbatim in one of the shows earlier, like, if they want to move it in 10 feet, that's fine. And that's pretty much exactly what they did. Now, we'll talk about the wall height a little bit later, but really – they they moved it in 10 feet. And and also, like, let's talk about 10 feet. So immediately you go, okay, well, it's going to be 410 now. And you're like, wait a minute. Why are they saying they moved it in 10 feet, but it's 412 feet to dead center? Well, it's because it wasn't actually 420 feet. They were lying to you. And I don't think it was an intentional lie. I think that maybe they just didn't have the technology when they first installed the walls that we do now, like now we're using like laser precision. They said that the, that the front office was using lasers to get the exact distance from home plate to dead center field into all the walls, really. And they found out that they were all mismarked pretty much across the board. 
And dead center field was actually 422 feet, which is why on Twitter you would see the, you know, those accounts that tweet like, oh, like how many parks would this have been a home run in, et cetera. Or like the barrel, MLB barrel or one of my favorite Twitter accounts. And they would put like, oh, this had a 990 expected batting average and uh, was a home run in 29 of 30 other parks. But in Comerica, it was a 29 uh, or uh, it was a 422 foot flyout. And you were like, how is that possible? Like it's 420 feet to dead center. How is that even possible? Well, now we know it's possible because it wasn't actually 420 feet. And they actually, they, again, they did all the walls and it turns out all of them were like that. Left field was at like two or three feet off. Like it was like 425 to 425 to 442, 345 to 342. Goodness gracious. I can't speak. Right field was a few feet off, like mismarked. So, they're, they're moving the outfield in and, and they're moving the dead center field wall is going to be 412 feet and a little bit of curved around the edges just to make it a smooth thing and not just like a harsh, you know, like hard cut thing at the corners. But uh, they're also going to remark then left field and right field to its actual dimensions because apparently we've been lied to for the last 25 years almost that Comerica has been around. Which is like kind of amusing in my eyes more than anything. Um, so let's talk about, uh, let, let's keep talking about the, th this is the biggest story in the organization today. So let's keep talking about it. Okay. But first I got to tell y'all about our friends over at bet online. If you're looking for a, not at bet online at built bar, actually the, the B words just get all scrambled in my head, but at built bar, they are the best tasting. They taste like a candy bar, but it turns out they're a protein bar. They're the best tasting protein bar out there. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you have to look for Built Bar. We just got through the holidays. I know I want to eat a little bit healthier, but usually eating healthier is like sacrificing taste. In this case, it's not. Built Bar is one of those things that it tastes good and it is good for you. What makes it so good? Well, they're covered in 100% real chocolate for starters. And that's right, real chocolate they come in crazy cool flavors like churro peanut butter brownie coconut almond there really are the best out there i'm not sure how they do it but they taste like a candy bar while having only 130 calories four grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein i don't know how they do it man but they consistently pull it off and now they have a new deal with Walmart and Sam's Club where you don't only have to order online. You can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and pick up a box of four, a box of 13, and get all of your favorite flavors in person. Super cool. So check out Built Bar today. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Second segment of Locked on Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. Be sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. That built bar transition might have been the single worst transition into an ad break I've ever had in the history of my of this show. And you know what? I, I just got to wear that. I'm not editing it out. It's not happening. You're getting you're getting uncut, unfiltered. Okay. Let's keep talking about these dimensions. So center field now going to be 412 feet. I think a lot of the conversation around this starts with what Scott Harris said earlier in the offseason when asked about the dimensions and about how he said 
He didn't want to fall in the middle. He wanted to be on one side of the aisle or the other. He wanted it to be a hitter's park or he wanted it to be a hit, hitter's park. He wanted the, the the home environment. He wanted to play to his home environment and have it be unique in some sense. We are the only team that plays 81 games at Comerica Park. We should be able to build our team around the best way to have success in our home environment. No other team even comes close to playing as many games as we will in Copa, obviously, right? So he wants to, to build his team around the nooks and crannies of Comerica Park, which is cool. And so I think when he said that, a lot of people, including myself, assumed that he just wasn't going to touch the park. We're going to go, okay, well, it's going to continue to be as deep as it is. But within the research for these dimensions and where they, where, how far in they were going to move the walls, et cetera, where they're going to move them in at all. They, uh, they, they talked to Harris about it. And he said that once they laser measured the entire park and found out the real dimensions of everything, uh, they ran a ton of simulations and just like data crunching for different. They had a few different models, I guess you'd call them a few different sketches of like how, what size the park was going to be. And they settled on this one. And that comes with, again, a bunch of running data, a bunch of simulations and such for how the ballpark is going to play at these exact dimensions. And this is the one they thought they, they could best utilize with it as their home park. Now, they also looked at past data, which is much more tangible, right, because it's actually happened. And talked and and looked at the numbers there and figured out you know how many home runs were between 412 and 422 feet in dead center field like how many home runs were lost into that and were just fly outs or ground rule doubles or etc so uh that that's something that i can at least appreciate is like they definitely did their homework and this is the result they came on so we'll, we'll see if it uh we'll, we'll see if it works we'll see the true ramifications of it as the season goes along but um that's at least nice to hear, at least, which I know doesn't mean too much to too many people, but it, I'll, I'll take it. They are also lowering the walls, which is like very overlooked in this whole thing, I think. Like this is just as much of a headline as moving the walls in. They are lowering them. So the bullpen walls, I believe, are seven feet, right? Left field, seven feet. Then dead center field was like eight or eight and a half feet. And then right field was eight or eight and a half feet. And then the out-of-town scoreboard wall, that massive, you know, the triple wall, that one was 13 feet. And now it looks like we are going to have seven feet all the way around. So it's going to be a seven-foot wall, the entire outfield. Uh, Harris talked about how he wanted, like, symmetry within his ballpark, and that certainly falls into – that line of thought as well. So we're going to have seven feet all the way around, lower those walls, and on top of obviously moving them is, as we stated. So there's certainly going to be more home runs. I don't want my little tangent and rant at the beginning to make it sound like it's not going to matter at all. It will. But one of the other really interesting things that he said was that the height of the wall had a lot to do with Riley Green which is fascinating to me that they are looking at their current center field option for the foreseeable future. If everything goes according to plan and we're like, Hey, this dude 
is really good at robbing homers. And that's something that he showed in the minors. He actually did it, almost did it a couple of times and did do it a couple of times in the majors. Like this is a, a really athletic dude that has definitely made some highlight plays in the outfield. And so they wanted to play to that as well. So you're going to see a, a little bit more opportunity for some highlight defensive plays in the outfield as well, which is super cool. And uh, on top of that, they're redoing the padding in center as well to make it uh, apparently, uh, you know, I, I'm not a scientist or a physicist or whatever, so I don't know, but apparently the new padding will be much safer for outfield collisions and, and will hopefully prevent some injuries and something that, again, they took Riley Green into consideration when doing so. So that's kind of cool. The biggest thing that I want to highlight with this is really one, like all around, if I could summarize it in one comment, it would just be this move allows this ballpark to maintain its identity, maintain its very deep center field. It's worth noting, 412, we talked about a little bit earlier, is still the second deepest ballpark in all of baseball right? Coors Field, the only one that's bigger. We said all that earlier. Like this is still a very deep ballpark. And the average dead center field is like 402 feet. So you're still significantly over that. So this move allows you to maintain your identity, continue to have the deep ballpark, continue to have the deep gaps, continue to still be, have, you know, triples and doubles and be an extra base hit kind of a factory. It's still hard to hit homers in dead center while also eliminating the egregious non-home runs. And that would be the 400, like Luke Voigt had like two of them, which I know that's an opponent, but like still, you're eliminating the 422-foot the flyouts that you have to see on Twitter after the after the innings over and then updates, right? You're eliminating the, the, the gap, like the deep gap shots, by the out-of-town scoreboard that people are able to run down and whatnot. You're, you're eliminating the off-the-top-of-the-out-of-town scoreboard, where it has a 990 expected batting average, and it's a triple, and in every other park in the league, it would have been a homer. So there is still absolutely going to be your, this is only a home run, or this is only not a home run in Comerica, 29 of 30 parks, this is out, it's not in Copa. That is 100% still going to be a thing. This is still a big, deep center field. You're just eliminating the really, really egregious ones. And I think that that's like a real, I don't want to say a happy medium, because again, it's still very much on the side of like, this is a a deep ballpark and they're going to, again, try to play to that, which is cool. But uh, I think that this is a, a, a nice balance. This is a nice compromise. That's, I guess, the right word. This is a nice compromise of, of, of dimensions. You have, You've eliminated the crazy deep ones that you're like, oh my goodness, that's so ridiculous. That had, like I said, a 990 expected batting average and went 420 feet and it's a fly out. That's ridiculous. But you're also still maintaining your park's identity. And I think that's cool. Like I said, more defensive opportunities too. It'll be, I I think it'll be cool. The only other stuff I really want to say is just like how many players over the years have just complained about it. The first one, most infamously, well, maybe not most infamously these days, but the very first one was Juan Gonzalez back in like 0203. And he was like, I am not coming back to the Detroit Tigers if that outfield wall is still there. Uh, and then he left and then they moved him in anyway. But 
like it, it's it's been scrutinized forever. Like the ballpark first opened and the bullpens weren't in left field, right? So it was just impossible to hit home runs to if you weren't a lefty. Like it was just impossible to hit homers. So then they moved those in, but they left center field deep. And then just ever, really ever since the Miggy era started, we've just constantly heard like, oh my gosh, it's so deep. It's so deep, whatever. And now we are finally, again, maintaining our identity, but still uh, uh, eliminating the, like people love to talk about how many more homers would Miggy have? I, I don't think it's as alarming of a number as people think. I think it's, uh, probably if you want to make a huge range of like maybe most people fit into this belief, it's somewhere between like 20 on the low end, 30, maybe, uh, all the way up to like 50 or 60. Maybe if you're like, some people think you would have had like 60, 80 more home runs. And I, I like, it's not that high, I promise. Um, but there, there's certainly quite, quite a few home runs that, that should be added. That would have been added to Miggy's all time number. If, uh, he got that, and certainly a lot of other players too. It's not just a Miguel Cabrera thing. And they they talked to Eric Haas about it, and he said that it was kind of discouraging at times. Like you'd really square a ball up, and it just was really disheartening when it wouldn't go out. And so uh, again, I'm not going to broken record just say like the same line over and over again. But uh, I, I do think that this can this can kind of be a best of both worlds situation. And I think that the long term we will look at this, and and we will have. Uh, looked at this as a as a solid move that didn't change as much as we think, and everyone is it can be kind of happy about it. Okay, cool. I think that's everything I want to talk about with the dimensions. Um, yeah, I think so. Okay, let's get into the newest edition of the forty man roster. We'll do that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here, Locked On Tigers. Um, yeah, biggest takeaway, really, when the team has good personnel and the team is talented and the offense is good, Comerica is a good offensive park, like more than anything. Personnel matters a lot more than dimensions. That's like the biggest thing I want to highlight. For as cool as this is and as much of a story as it is, personnel matters significantly more than, uh, than, than dimensions ever will. To, to offensive production. Okay. Let's talk about some new additions to the personnel pool. Uh, the Detroit Tigers claimed off of waivers from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Edwin Yukita, if I'm mispronouncing that again, no uh, offense intended, obviously. Uh, but th this is another depth reliever signing. And we've talked about this a lot and how the bottom of the 40 man has just been a revolving door. But you have to realize. This is not a revolving door in the sense that uh, a lot of these guys are getting claimed by the Tigers and then they're getting like cut and they're away from the team all of a sudden. This is a revolving door of adding depth. And, and that's something that the previous regime did not do at all. And I think it's a, a, a big testament to two things. One, just how important depth is these days and how much injuries can really derail a season really quickly and, and how vital depth is. And the previous regime just didn't just address it at all, which was unbelievably frustrating. And two, I think it's a, a testament to when constructing a roster, you almost have 
like a roster within a roster, if that makes sense. Like you're, you're adding your depth. You're adding to your pool of depth by so much that you almost have this other, like if somebody goes on the IL, almost all of Toledo is players that are fringe 40 man roster candidates for, and like viewed at that by all teams because they were on a 40 man to get put on waivers in the first place. So you could pick them up. So clearly it's not just you thinking that. And so the ability that Harris has had so far to bring, claim somebody, let them be on the 40 man, then immediately, almost immediately put them on waivers, let them clear. And then they're part of the organizational depth is, is so refreshing and so nice. And so just like cool. And I know they haven't made any big moves and I'm really mad about that. And I don't care. That's great. But at the end of the day, I've said this a million times this offseason, you're not mad at the addition of, of Edwin here. You're not. You're mad that they haven't brought in anyone big, and that upsets you. And that's totally your right, and that to- like that logic tracks. But you're not actually mad in a vacuum of the addition of these waiver claims. These are This is like what good, healthy front offices do. This is a smart move to continuously bring in players like that. Okay. So let's talk about him as a pitcher specifically. This is a reliever and uh, Yukita, again, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sorry if I'm not. He is definitely a barrel misser, Uh, has a sinker ball, a changeup, and a curveball. I don't know when the last time I said sinker ball was. That was weird. I don't know why I just didn't say sinker there. That felt weird after I said it. I was like, why did I just say that? Uh, So sinker, changeup, curveball. The changeup has some some pretty good numbers in his major league career, actually. Uh, some pretty good value. And I think that that's something that they will look at for sure. Because sinker and changeup, like coming out of the hand, they can look pretty similar. And one is just significantly slower than the other. So obviously it can fool hitters. So if, if he can tunnel those correctly and then pitch mix them right, there, there's a really good chance that he could have a, a, a pretty effective changeup at the major league level. Because he already has had two stints in the majors where the changeup has been an effective pitch for him. The sinker is the go-to pitch though. And that's the barrel misser. And that's the other thing to point at in his major league career. uh, He has been pretty solid, especially in 2022 with the diamondbacks. He was pretty solid at missing barrels. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, Like uh, again, I, I, I talk about these in a positive light because I'm trying to show you like what the, profile of the player is and why maybe this front office is taking a chance on this specific player. I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm overhyping every single waiver claim to be like the, you know, a future star, like that he's going to be an all-star in the bullpen. But like, like this dude had a five, eight, two ERA last year and a six, six, four ERA in his major league stint in 2021. But profile wise, again, and there are some numbers that indicate that maybe he got a little bit unlucky with BABIP, which a lot of sinker pitchers do because they're pitched to contact first. He doesn't have crazy strikeout numbers at the major league level. Uh, he has some decently high walk numbers at certain levels, but also like in 2022, the walk numbers went down a lot. So that's kind of encouraging at least. Um, but yeah, there are some numbers that indicate that maybe he got a little bit unlucky, uh, didn't have a great defense behind him, et cetera. Not that this defense is going to be stellar by any means, but uh, still, I, again, just trying to like highlight why I, I think they maybe took a chance on him. Can miss barrels, 
has some good pitches, has a, an effective, like good values changeup that that has some pretty good numbers against it, which is great. Um, and yeah, he's 25 years old, righty reliever. The other thing is just like with pitching in general, we saw how many different starters we had last year. It was like, what, 15, 18 or something ridiculous. Like they, they were unbelievable. And then in the bullpen, we've lost like all of our high leverage relievers outside of Alex Lang pretty much, right? Like we talked about that in the Gregory Soto show. Like they're all gone unless they re-sign Chafin or Fulmer. Like they're, they're, they're pretty much all gone. So you have a lot of turnover in the bottom of that bullpen. Like, you know, Lang is going to be the high leverage guy at the time, at the present moment, probably. Uh, and then, like, Cisnero is going to get a heavy look for sure. But just looking at the high leverage dudes from the last two seasons, you even throw Funkhauser in that mix. Like, you, you've lost a lot of them. So, the bottom of this bullpen, they're going to continue to get dudes that, again, fit their profile, like Streve, right, in last episode, that fit their profile that they think they might be able to, to kind of make some adjustments and make a really effective major leaguer and see what sticks. And they're doing that in a lot of positions. Uh, pitcher and bullpen, definitely one of them with the amount of turnover it's had over the last 12 months. Cool? Cool. I think that's it. I think that's everything I want to talk about with Edwin here. Uh, yeah, pretty intriguing. I mean, he'll, he'll get a look in spring training for sure. He'll definitely be in that mix. And uh, again, there's nothing to say that 48 hours from now, like before Monday's show, he's put on waivers and clears waivers and then is put in AAA. Like if you can have Toledo just be an entire roster of players that you are comfortable and like all the other teams too view at as like fringe major leaguers or fringe 40-man roster additions, that's amazing depth. So I think that that's the game plan here. And that's, again, really nice to see because for a long time, we just didn't address depth at all. It was just like, oh, we're putting all of our cookies in one jar and it's this player. And if they don't work out there or if they get hurt, we're just like hosed. And I, and I think those days are, are behind us. Now, again, I know we have to get like the top end figured out for a lot of these positions. I understand that, but uh, that, that, that was never going to happen overnight. And the, the, great additions to the depth of this organization, I, I think shouldn't go unnoticed either. So I think that's it somewhere out there. Nick Castellanos is smiling. He heard this news and he had a nice little chuckle. Maybe, maybe smoked a cigar had a nice little laugh with his, with his wife. And uh, yeah, so, somewhere out there, Nick Castellanos is smiling about the new dimensions of Comerica park and going, I was right. What do you got to say now? All right. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check on the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, just like us, baby. That's all I got. Let's let's have a year. I'm so pumped for the spring. So pumped for ball to start back up. Uh, I do want to say that, and this is – we're not going to spend too much time on this end of the show, I promise. But I do think that another trade is, is going to happen. Just like looking at where the roster is right now, looking at the, the surplus of certain positions we have, mostly starting pitcher and still some bullpen pieces, honestly, uh, that, that have value. And just looking at the future, I, I really think, and Harris made a comment like that was kind of like, Hey, we're still looking to improve by the way. 
Uh, like the off season's far from over and, and we still have some plans to whether it's free agency or trade, I can't say. I'm pretty sure it was his quote. But I don't really know if they're going to be big players in the free agent market that's left. I think they're they're going to take a lo- much longer look at some some more trade possibilities. So it would not shock me if there was at least one more trade from now between uh, when maybe like the World Baseball Classic starts or spring training games start. Okay, cool. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you for your constant support of the show and of me uh yeah i never know how much it means to me so i appreciate all y'all a ton peace and love going to therapy's dope and i'll catch you on monday baby go tigers